I want to speak a message this morning that really will help uh, kick off our Christmas messages entitled, Wonderful Savior. How many of you are thankful for your Savior this morning? Isaiah 9, 6, of course, is one of the most uh, frequently read verses at this time of year. It says, for unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I want to read one last verse. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Can you say that with me? Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Heavenly Father, we're glad that you're here with us. And we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And Jesus, we want to thank you for your obedience to the Father and your kindness to us. This morning as we come into this Christmas season, we want to honor you and we ask that as this word is brought, that you would impart it into our lives with power and precision and may you be glorified. May you increase and may we decrease in Jesus' name. Amen. The Christmas season is full of wonders. I actually love to see this time of year through the eyes of a child. I love that. In their simplicity, everything is something. They see the beauty in all that they're looking at, but not the work that went into it. It's interesting, when we drive down the streets here in Florida, almost every uh, neighborhood has all of those palm trees that just have the wonderful lights all the way up them and spread across. Many of you have decorated your house. How many of you know it takes a little time to make everything look beautiful? Children don't understand all the work that goes in to making things beautiful. For a child, what they receive is free. But as adults, we understand the cost. For the child, the beauty of Christmas is in the not knowing. It's in the discovery, an unopened gift, the joy of learning the Christmas story, the growing to know Jesus and all that he's done. For the Christian, for the adult, the wonder comes in the knowing and in the understanding. And it is important as adults that at Christmas, that it doesn't lose its specialness. That Christmas doesn't lose its uniqueness just because we know. Listen, with all the added things that need done from the shopping to the preparing, the extra meetings, the parties, the wrapping, it's easy to actually wish that Christmas would just come and go quickly. If there's anyone who ever had that thought, would you say a good amen? I encourage you to not rush through the season and just wish it would be over. If we quiet the noise of the season, you and I as adults can regain the wonder that we had as children. Only much deeper and with greater understanding and with a greater appreciation than we had when we were younger. In Mark chapter 10 verse 15, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, 
Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. I love that. Little children are pure. They're innocent. And as adults, we can enjoy the simplicity without being naive. Children allow themselves to be amazed. When Dawn decorated our house this year, finally Emily is now two years old, and she walked into the front door, and my wife has Christmas all over the place. It's just beautifully decorated. I mean, there's probably not a spot in the house that hasn't been touched by some part of Christmas. And Emily walked through the door, and she stopped. And she just went. How cool is that? I love that our children grow up, and our grandchildren then come in, and they begin to have an amazement of what Christmas is. A child can look at a decorated house and simply enjoy the spectacle without wondering how much it cost or how long it took to put together. Every time my wife puts up those snowmen and we begin to decorate the house, I begin to think in my mind how much I paid for every one of those. And I was thinking, man, there's a lot of money in our Christmas. It's worth it. I think many of us wonder what it means to come as a little child. But it really isn't all that complicated. To come as a child is to realize that we have nothing to give him but ourself. Jesus uses the example of a child to illustrate that point, that we must receive the kingdom as a child. There's trust. There's a willingness to receive. There's an awe of what you're seeing. There is a real simplicity that comes from the purity of heart. It reminds us that Jesus came as a little child and that we are to come to him just as he came to us, like a child. That Greek word that's translated as child refers to the youngest and the most helpless of children. And Christ really at Christmas reminds us that he's calling us to utter dependence on him as the way into the kingdom. Can you imagine the King of kings and the Lord of lords who's been in charge of the angels of heaven, who was a part of all creation, who spoke and worlds were created, came into the very world that he created as a dependent child? That's amazing to me. To be placed in the arms of Mary and Joseph and have to be entrusted into their care. When I think of that, I think of what an honor it was for Mary and Joseph to be entrusted with the Christ child. Yeah. It took an angel to remind them that what God was doing was so supernatural. I wonder what it was like for Mary when she held Jesus right after he was born. To realize he's the Son of God. And then to watch him grow. And to do miracles. And to speak with wisdom. We take great joy in our young children. The arrival of a baby, listen, is one of the happiest times in our lives. It's also one of the most terrifying times in our lives. We realize that the youngest child can't do anything for themselves. And we 
are the ones that get to do it for them. When we had our children, the realization of how needy they are was terrifying, quite honestly. They needed our assistance with everything. From the moment they were born until they began to be able to do some things for themselves. Everything from rolling over to being fed to needing diapers changed. It's interesting, even as grandparents who have raised children, when they place those little kids in our hands to realize again how dependent they were, how gentle we needed to be. I think God has a way of reminding us through our lifetimes of how much care the Father gives to us and how dependent we are really on Him. Those little children are cute and disgusting and sometimes at the same time and they don't even know it. Children are desperately needy and this is how we are in relation to our Father in heaven. The difference is that while children don't realize how needy they are to enter the kingdom of God, we must, as Christians, realize how utterly dependent we are on God for everything. We rely on His mercy for our salvation and for our every need. Listen, and only by admitting this can we be part of the kingdom of God. Out of all the names of God, the one you most never hear talked about is wonderful. You see, Jesus isn't only our Savior. He is a wonderful Savior. Wonderful is something that leaves you full of awe. It leaves you full of wonder and wondering. It causes you to think. It leaves you stunned and amazed. You see, I want us to look at some things to help us regain our wonder and amazement of God again during this season, because He is wonderful. First of all, knowing that Jesus is wonderful helps us to regain our awe of God. The word wonderful in the Hebrew means a miracle, Something that's marvelous. To be wonderful is to be inspiring, to be delightful, to be remarkable, to be amazing and magnificent and admirable and astonishing. Christmas gives us the opportunity to realize again how truly amazing and remarkable our God is. If you believe that He is a remarkable God, can we just give Him some praise? In the house of the Lord this morning, He is worthy. When was the last time you just sat back and looked at God and went, wow. When you realized how beautiful He is, how powerful He is, His creativity, His love, when you realize in a fresh way that God is high and exalted above everything, when you realize that He is holy, that He's set apart, from everyone and everything, and that there is no one in all creation like our God, that our God dwells in unapproachable light, and yet He made a way for us to come to Him, that He's infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful, and completely lovely, that He's good, and in Him there is no darkness at all. 
In Psalms 139-11, David said, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me in behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I can't attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. In Exodus 15, 11, it says, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders? In Revelation 15, 4, in the Amplified, it says, Who will not fear reverently and glorify your name, O Lord, giving you honor and praise and worship? For you alone are holy, for all the nations shall come and worship before you for your righteous acts. Your just decrees and judgments have been revealed and displayed. You see, the Bible declares that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to remind you that our God is wonderful. He is awe-inspiring. He is marvelous and absolutely beautiful in every way. I pray that this Christmas... We will rediscover our awe of who our God is and all that he's done. Listen, if you need that reminder, I pray that you'd ask him to reveal himself to you like that again. I promise you that when you ask, you shall receive. Another thing that makes him wonderful is that Christmas affords us the opportunity to regain the wonder and reality of how much God really loves us. Aren't you glad that he loves you? Listen, if you're married to a good spouse, there are times that you have these aha moments. Moments when you realize just how much that you love them and how much they really love you. We all know John 3.16, how God so loves the world. But there is something wonderful when that verse becomes personal and you realize how much he loves you. Yes. How much he loves me. The Bible says that he loves you with an everlasting love. A love that doesn't quit. A love that doesn't give up. A love that is absolutely marvelous. In Jeremiah 31.3 it says, The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I've drawn you. God's love for you and for me is everlasting. It never ends. It never runs out. It never quits. In Psalms 8, 3 through 5, it says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? 
and Son of Man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and with honor. Listen, David began to compare what he was compared to the scope of, and scale of God's creation. Have you ever just looked out at what God has made and realized how marvelous he is and how vast he is? Yesterday they were showing a lot of videos of our wonderful ocean. Some of you went down there and got some pictures and went out to look at it. Some of us just got to watch it on TV, how powerful what was going on at the ocean as it just... And listen, that's just minuscule compared to the power of God. Yet God loves you. In the vastness of space, He notices you. The beautiful thing about Christmas is that it begins to personalize it for every one of us. It's interesting as we'll gather together on Christmas Eve and celebrate what Jesus has done. We know each other. We know each other by name. We wreck each other by face. But Jesus knows you even better than that. And he loves you. My prayer for each of us this Christmas season as believers is that we would realize how much the Lord cares. All the last couple years we've watched the enemy rage like he's never raged before and more believers have been in the battle than we've known. But something happens when you know that you're loved and that he cares for you. I pray that it would amaze you that he loves you. Psalms 139, 14 through 18 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows full well. Listen, I want to stop there for a minute. You are the workmanship of God. He designed you, created you. He didn't just form your body, he created who you are and he loves you. I pray this Christmas that you would come to realize that marvelous are his works. And my prayer is that you will know that full well. David, if I don't know how, what kind of mirrors they had back in that day, but there are some today that look in the mirror and they don't like what they look at. I pray that when you look at yourself in the mirror this coming season, that you will see that you were created by Almighty God and that he loves you and that he cares for you. You may not like a lot of things about yourself. There may be things that the enemy's been lying to you in your mind, but I want you to know that he loves you, that he cares for you. Listen, all of us have had children that have messed up, and we love them, and we care for them. Even though they've gone through their hard seasons, they're still ours, and we care for them. I want to remind you that you belong to Jesus, and he forms you, and he loves you, and you're his child, and he's there for you, and that you would regain the understanding of how precious you are to the Lord. David then goes on to say, listen, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me. That means God's got a plan for your life and he ain't done with you yet. 
you saw my substance. And the days were fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And when I wake, I am still with you. Oh, listen, some of you wonder if God even notices you. He thinks about you all the time. He cares about you every day. Listen, the Bible says His mercies are new every morning. But did you realize you're on the mind of the Lord all the time? Listen, parents, you might have a hard time thinking about all your kids at once, but God doesn't have that problem because He's infinite and He's able. And you're not only on His mind, you're on His heart. Listen, Christmas is all about the wonder of God's love, the extravagance of His love, real love, the kind of love that makes the first move. And God did that by sending Jesus. We all know that the Greek word for God's type of love is the word agape. This is love in its purest and most powerful form. And one of the definitions of this is love feast. It's more than affection. It's more than fondness. It's a feast of love with nothing held back in reserve. The truth is, for you and me, you might look at your spouse, you might look at your child, and that love feast might come over you in a swell of feeling every once in a while, because really the truth is, we're not capable of that much emotion and that much feeling all the time. You just can't sustain it. But can I tell you, our God does. And when He thinks of you, it's an absolute buffet of His goodness. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, By this the love of God was displayed in us, in that God has sent His one and only begotten Son, the one who is truly unique, the one of a kind, into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, that is the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering for our sins, fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin and placating His wrath. Sometimes something is so wonderful and so amazing that it will cause you to wonder, to contemplate, to think about that level of love. His love. It's wonderful. Maybe tonight, go into your living room, turn on the Christmas tree, whatever light you have, turn off the television. It may be a wonderful life, but we've got a wonderful God. For just a moment, take some time to think about His love for you. Allow the Holy Spirit to come in. You see, something that we can experience as children of God that those who don't know Christ as Savior won't know is that communion of the Holy Spirit with us, just loving us. Another thing that Christmas leaves us in wonder of is our salvation. He is our wonderful Savior. And while this is the title of the message, I actually put this farther in to this sermon because it's at the very heart of everything. Matthew one twenty one says, And she shall bring forth 
a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That word save in the Greek is the word sozo. I love that word. It means to heal, to save, to preserve, and to deliver. And sozo means much more than simply being forgiven and someday going to heaven. Although that's a wonderful thing. It refers to total healing, total freedom, and complete wholeness in spirit, soul, and body. Sozo can also be translated to heal or make whole. The salvation that Jesus brings is complete. Think about that. This is what it means that the old has gone and the new has come. Do you ever stand in awe that you're not the same person that you used to be? In Luke 2, 10 through 11, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That word Savior means deliverer. And Jesus delivered us out of our old life of sin. And He delivered us to a new and living way. We were once dead in our sins and now we are alive in Jesus Christ. Talk about wonderful. Aren't you glad that He brought you all the way through? I want you to think about how God has healed you. Everything that he's brought you through. How much you've changed since you've given your life to Jesus. How much you've grown as a child of God. How different you are today than you even were 10 years ago. All the faithfulness that he's bring. Colossians 1.13 says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or brought us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I pray that this Christmas you'll regain the wonder of your salvation. That we will again stand in awe of what God has done for us and what God has done in us. That we will marvel and we will have a renewed appreciation for His grace and His mercy that made us not only safe, but whole and complete. One of my favorite things about Christmas time is the Christmas Eve service. I love it. Listen, here it'll never go out of style. The truth is we'll do a Christmas Eve service if three people show up or if everybody shows up. There's something about the end of that service where we hold the elements of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So special. Each year, it's hard for me to get through that part of the service because he's so wonderful. What he's brought us through. Not just delivering us at the day we accepted Christ, but how many of you know he's your deliverer today? How many of you have been through some stuff? How many of you have been in a few battles? How many of you had some sickness? Listen, I'll tell you what, 
Ron, when we stand here on Christmas Eve and I look what God brought you through, look at you. Open heart surgery, but sitting in the house of God, strong as ever. I thank the Lord for that. Listen, what he did for you, your Savior, your Deliverer, listen, our healer. It's so personal. I love that. One of the things this season reminds us of is that his peace is wonderful. The truth is, most people don't live peaceful lives. And most people don't live in peace. Oh, listen, you know as a believer, you've dealt with that battle in your own life, how the enemy wants to bring turmoil and chaos and just stir it up, the feelings of sadness or badness. But Isaiah tells us that he's wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, and watch this. The prince of peace. Prince means master or ruler or steward. He's the prince of our peace. When Jesus said in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You see, a lot of people in the world don't have the choice to choose not to be afraid. Listen, if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you have nothing to combat that fear. You have nothing to combat that turmoil. You have nothing that gives you hope. But when you have the Prince of Peace as your Savior, when you have the Captain of your peace, Right there speaking into your life, taking authority over everything in your life, and you say, I give this to you. You have the choice to be a person of peace just as he is. You see, the world will promise you peace and that it will pull the rug right out from underneath you. It will declare that everything's going to be okay and that it will move the yardstick of what peace looks like. But because of Jesus who already purchased our peace on Calvary, it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Next week we're going to talk about that in depth. I'm going to talk about the peace of the Lord on Christmas Eve. Dona nobis pacem. Give us peace. Growing up, we used to sing a song. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. How many of you remember that? Sweep over my spirit. Forever I pray with fathomless billows of love. I love those old songs. Have you ever felt the wonderful billows, waves of the Lord just wash over you? There are times when life is just tough. Lord, I need your peace. I don't know if you've ever seen what the Lord does. Like the ocean, he'll come and just start to lap. Here's the thing that I love about the Lord. He'll never overwhelm you to a place that you don't know what to do with yourself in that way. You get into the ocean just a little bit. And the deeper you get, the higher the waves. 
And then he just begins to sweep over. The peace of God. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are, I don't even understand that. Oh, I pray that you would come to know how wonderful the peace of the Lord is. There are times I'll be in the office dealing with different things, things on the mind, the things of life that are just going on in my own life personally, the cares of the church and the overwhelming things that the world can just throw at you. There's times I'll just get up from the desk and come into this room. I need your peace. You see, the world will be like an ocean that's raging and it'll just seem like it'll beat you down and every time you're just hoping to catch your breath and keep your head above the waves. With the Lord, His peace sweeps over. If you let Him. I pray that you would rediscover the quiet of the Lord. God promises us a peace that passes understanding. How wonderful is that? I don't even get it. Lord, I should be a mess in my head. Everything that's going on in my life should leave me absolutely restless. But here's your peace. Can I tell you, it's okay to have that. Why? Some of us get so used to everything not being okay, we don't know how to be okay. Touch someone next to you and say, it's okay to be okay. The peace of God. Peace when it doesn't make sense. He's our peace with God. He's our peace with ourselves. He is our peace that brings us calm in the midst of the storms. What used to cause panic and unrest now leaves us with a sense of security. He's our counselor. The one called alongside of us to lead us and guide us and to help us when we need it. His peace is wonderful. Can I tell you one more? His forgiveness is wonderful. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That is pretty deep. Listen, if Jesus is your wonderful Savior, then that means you and I are forgiven. Can you say this with me? I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Can we say it again? I am forgiven. Oh, listen, all of us can look back on the sins that we have, but God has already forgotten about those things. I'm forgiven. And the truth is, when we realize how wonderful His forgiveness is to us, it allows us to forgive others. Of all the warm fuzzies that we feel at Christmas time, this statement is one that leaves you feeling the most grateful and humbled and absolutely amazed. You see, only the Christian can talk about forgiveness without the shame and regret and sadness of what was lost because we made some mistakes. Aren't you glad you've been forgiven? Christmas is a wonderful reminder of all that we've been saved from and out of. Jesus came as a baby to be crucified for our sins so that our forgiveness is possible. I love the saying, one cross and three nails equals forgiven. On our Christmas tree, we hang an ornament that's very precious. 
My wife doesn't always like it, but I find it and put it there anyway. Many times I purposely hang it right next to the manger. It's a nail with a red ribbon in it. You see, Christmas reminds us of why Jesus came in the first place. Someone once said, always know your why. Always know your reason for what you're doing. I think the nail itself is self-explanatory, but there's a reason for the red ribbon in it. From Genesis to Revelation, there is a thread that runs through the Bible. They call it the scarlet thread. In every story, there's a storyline that's the thread of each chapter. And in each book of the Bible, that red thread or the scarlet thread reminds us of the blood of Jesus given to forgive us, and to bring right relationship with the Father. Listen, Jesus never lost sight of his why. And at Christmas time, we must never lose sight of the reason why we are forgiven. And that's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I also want to remind you this morning that his power is wonderful. Ephesians 1, 19 through 20 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Acts 10, 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. As a matter of fact, I'm working on a three-part series for next year on oppression. Oh, I want to tell you, aren't you glad that Jesus sets everybody free who's ever been oppressed of the devil? In our church, we've seen the power of God at work so often that it seems normal. Listen, it should be. The power of God is a normal thing. Listen, I pray that you would come to realize again the things we've watched God do in lives individually, saving and healing and setting free. Jesus said that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells. In us, I want to remind you this Christmas that we serve a God of resurrection power. The power of God brings life for death. And may we never lose in awe of the power and of the miracles of God. Can I remind you today, we serve a God of power. Oh, we do. And that word power in the New Testament is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from. Oh, I pray that during this Christmas season we'll have the peace of the Lord, but I pray we'll never forget the power of God. God power is spiritual dynamite. His power creates with just a spoken word. His power causes demons to flee. His power heals the deepest hurt. His power sends the enemies of God to their ruin. And all of us, have stood amazed at the power of a thunderstorm or a tornado 
or a hurricane. But all of that is like nothing in comparison to the power of God. And while His power can destroy the works of the enemy, His power can bring life in the most amazing, in the most detailed of ways. We stand in wonder at the power of God. But we will never stand in fear or in certainty about anything else. All oh, that we would understand the greatness of His power to us who believe. If God is for us, who can be against us? Last night I kept walking out on my back porch I was wondering if I needed to put my shutters down just a little bit. We were getting up past 50 mile an hour gusts of wind. And I was amazed, though, last night. The wind was blowing everything around outside. But my screen porch? Nothing. My granddaughter has one of those beach balls. And I kept watching to see if that thing would move. It didn't. On my back porch. Which was open. There sat a ball. Made of air. With the wind blowing. Yet it didn't move. Same spot she had left it. Didn't move. The power of God was raging. Ball didn't move. I even went outside last night. Grilled some fajitas up. Nice. Yeah. Mm. In Florida, great. You get to use your grill even during like storms. I love that. Up winter, they're all cold and shivering. They're out there trying to grill. and We're out there just going, hey, nothing but a thing. Christmas time in Florida, amen. I love that. My dad got so worked up last year. I was down here grilling, and he went outside. He decided he was going to try to grill. There was a foot of snow. He had to clear it off. He said, I'm never doing that again. It's cold. I said, I'll be thinking of you. I went outside, grilled a hamburger. Glory to God. Listen, with the power of God, the whole world can rage around you. God to do miracles through you. But inside, you're still at peace. My prayer this Christmas is that you and I will regain a greater revelation of our wonderful Savior, of all that He's done for us, that you'll regain a revelation of His love for you, how much He cares for you. Would you stand with me this morning? Here's a Christmas miracle. 20 after 11, the altar call starting. <laughs> Listen, he loves you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus, this morning, we're so grateful for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for everything you've done for us. Lord, as we step in, to this week, we're very aware that this time next Sunday will be Christmas Eve. We'll be all the way into the season. 
the whole purpose for it. I pray, God, that you would begin to slow things down for us. No matter how quickly our life is moving this week, I pray that, that Lord, we take those moments this week and we regain our awe of who you are. And I pray that that wonder and that magnificence would take us into the new year. I pray that God, while the world is talking about what 2024 will look like, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And while the things in the world may change, you don't. And that means we stay constant. We stay consistent. We stay loved. We stay protected. We stay provided for. And Jesus, I pray that God the knowledge of you would permeate through every bit of who we are. We love you this morning. Would you just lift your hands and say, Lord, I love you. We honor you this morning in this place. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this coming week. We welcome you into our families. We welcome you into our homes. We welcome you in this church. Lord, you are special to us. Lord, we've never left, you've never left us being unspecial. We've always been special to you. Lord, I pray that you would return to each of us the uniqueness and the glory of our salvation. Lord, I pray your blessing on each one. I thank you for healing. I thank you for encouragement. I speak joy and life over each heart and each family. I ask you, God, for those that will begin traveling this week, that you give them safety. I pray for those that have family coming in, there would be safety. I pray, Lord, somehow you'd let our airports actually be on time. I pray you let people on the roadways be merry. <laughs> I pray, Lord, that we would love one another. I pray for those this year who are having a super abundant Christmas financially. Thank you for it. I pray for those whose family money's a little tight. We thank you that you're the provider anyway. And I pray that during the abundance or a season of tightness, that God, we would never lose the specialness of your love for us. And may we teach our children those things that in the abundance and in the lean, you're still God and you're still faithful. May each one be thankful and grateful. Lord, I pray that you would make us as your children a blessing to the world around us. May our attitude be different. May our heart be loving. May our words bring life. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Listen, we will have church this Wednesday night at 7. Please come be a part. And then, of course, uh, Christmas Eve on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. God bless you.